podcast. Today, my guest is Vaidehi Agarwala, who is an effective altruist based in Singapore. She is an operations manager at Momentum, an organization which helps charities raise funds. She is also a community builder for effective altruism and has run events that teach people about the principles of effective altruism. Hi, Vaidehi. Welcome to my show. Hi Vedant, it's great to be here. Yeah, I I lo- I know a lot about effective altruism, so I'm excited to learn even more. Great. So Vaidehi, I'm curious to know what got you interested in effective altruism? So I was in college um, when I came across the uh, website called 80,000 Hours. And in that website, they try to teach you about how you can have, uh, you know, do good with your career. So because I was in college, I was thinking about, you know, what jobs will I try to apply for when I graduate? Uh, and this this website was g- telling me all of these cool things about effective altruism and all the different um, sort of cause areas such as helping people in developing countries uh, such as India or Afri- uh, countries in Africa um, and how to use evidence and reason to do that. Were you also think of thinking about joining 80,000 hours? At that point, no, I wasn't. I was mostly just, uh, you know, using the resources that they had, like all the interesting you know, research that they'd done on, on different ways to help people. So, or people and also animals, of course. Um, and yeah, at that point I was thinking more about going into the global health and development space. So things like improving vaccine vaccinations and things like that. How are you involved within the effective altruism community? Yeah. So in the past few years, I've been a primarily a community builder in the EA community. So I've been running events, um, fellowships, and, uh, you know, conferences, uh, which basically have been bringing together people to read up on all of the different cause areas and effective altruism, whether that's on factory farming or improving the long-term future uh, or other topics. Um, and then I've also been involved in another community, which is like a sub-community. So within Effective Altruism, we have lots of different people working on different projects, um, which is Effective Environmentalism, um, where we try to, uh, you know, look at climate change uh, from an EA, uh, Effective Altruism from that perspective on how can we do the most good within the climate change movement and try to reduce, you know, carbon dioxide emissions and other greenhouse gas emissions. Can you tell me even more about effective environmentalism? Yeah, so effective environmentalism is basically uh, just right now it's a very small community. We're very early stages, Um, but we're basically trying to ask the question of how can we as a, you know, how can we as individuals sort of contribute to climate change movement the most? So obviously, you know, as you know, climate change is a very famous, you know, global topic. Everyone is very concerned about it. Um, so there's actually a lot of really cool, you know, things going on in the environmentalism space, but it's not always clear how can we as individuals maybe have the biggest 
um, impact because there's so many other people working on it. So what we're trying to do right now is really figure out, you know, how can we, how can we contribute to the to the problem? So unfortunately, so for example, one one area we think is quite promising is focusing on what is known as a what what we would call like neglected clean energy tech. So for example, have you heard of uh, solar power? Yeah. And wind power? Yes. Okay. What about um? Have you heard of something called carbon capture and storage? No, but from the name, I think it means capturing carbon and storing it. Exactly. So carbon capture and storage is a relatively new technology, which means that we don't know a lot about it and it's very expensive to do right now. Just like solar and wind technology was about 20 or 30 years ago, they were very new technologies. So scientists didn't know, you know, how can we make them really... Uh, affordable so that everyone can can buy them and use them instead of using fossil fuels um, which you know harm the environment so just like car- solar and wind technology we think that there's other technologies like carbon capture and storage and even things like nuclear energy which you might have heard about um, to which might be you know um, if we put develop them more and make them more affordable then developing countries like India China, you know, Nigeria can then use those clean technologies instead of using fossil fuels as they, you know, become bigger and, and more people are using the, the, and more people need energy, you know, just to live and uh, go to work and all of those things. I've seen a documentary and it says that you, uh, it's about basically nuclear power. Mm-hmm. And it said that people have tried using nuclear energy lots of times mm-hmm. and either the there were leaks or meltdowns in the plants so now people don't want to use it anymore right yeah so nuclear energy is a really uh complicated or it's a very big topic but essentially it is a very dangerous technology you know if you build a nuclear reactor that doesn't have the necessary safety measures in place it is very dangerous so for example the there have been a few accidents in the recent history, like in Japan a few years back and in Chernobyl in, in the USSR in the 1980s. However, um, you know, today, a good portion of the world's clean energy actually already comes from nuclear. So there's a number of nuclear plants that are in action that are being used today in the US and other countries as well, um, which are able to provide safe energy for people. So definitely, and also since, you know, those accidents have happened, like a lot of improvements have been made to nuclear technology. So I think um, for, you know, but definitely there's there's mixed opinions about it. And we when we do implement, if we implement nuclear technology in other countries or in, increase it, we have to be very careful about it. But it seems like when, because it's just a very, very clean source of energy, um, we should try to investigate it further and see if there's ways of, you know, using it in a safe way where people aren't harmed. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, when we think about how do people get harmed by energy sources. So when we think about nuclear technology, we think about meltdowns, like you said, right, accidents, happening yeah. leaks. Um, when we think about fossil fuels, what types of things, what kinds of harm do you think the fossil fuels are causing to people in terms of safety? Mm-hmm. When people breathe it in, it can affect their lungs. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big part of it. So air pollution caused by fossil fuel consumption is a really big source of 
you know, the harm through that. And when you actually compare the numbers of people who've died or been harmed by the two different things, actually the fossil fuel, just because it's used by so much of the world and it is so toxic, is much higher than nuclear uh, deaths from the nuclear accidents. Yeah, and also I've seen that there's a hole in the atmosphere because of fossil fuels. Uh, so the, actually the hole was caused by, uh, the, 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 you're talking about the hole in the ozone layer, right? Yes. Yeah. So the hole in the ozone layer was actually caused by, uh, CFCs or chlorofluorocarbons, which were found in things like refrigerators. So basically, you know how refrigerators are really cold. Yeah. What makes them cold is this liquid called a refrigerant. Um, and within the refrigerant, there is this uh, item called the CFC, the chlorofluorocarbon. That is the toxic chemical that when it's released into the atmosphere, you know, let's say you throw your fridge away into the trash can and then into the, and then that goes to a dump and then it gets broken and, and all the CFC goes in the atmosphere. That, that, that is the CFC is what was causing the hole in the ozone layer. Um, so what happened in the, I think, believe it was the 1970s or 80s, um, the UN signed in what is called the Montreal Protocol, which actually committed to banning the use of CFCs in, you know, refrigerators and wherever else it was being used, such as uh, hairspray cans and so on. Um, and actually, since then, we've seen a reversal of that ozone hole has actually been shrinking over time because people have stopped using. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. In fact, this is one of the big wins in climate history and you know we people often study the montreal protocol to see like you know what can we learn from that because it went so well because unfortunately right now a lot of the climate change you know agreements you might have heard of there is something called the paris uh the paris accords the paris agreement in um which happened a few years back and there's been the kyoto protocol as well in the 1990s um there's basically a lot of countries come together and they say you know we're gonna fight climate change but unfortunately unlike the montreal protocol like that hasn't quite resulted in you know we're not making the progress we want to make are there any challenges that you face in your effective altruism journey yeah lots of challenges i think um so maybe one of the things about effective altruism that makes it a bit challenging but also really exciting is that we want to try to do the most good, right? We want to help people, but we want to make sure we're helping them in the best possible way, you know, using all the tools at our disposal, science and evidence and, you know, yeah. collaborating with each other. So sometimes it can be hard to know, you know, what is, you know, what is the most good? Like, how do we know what we're doing is the best possible thing? Um, and yeah, I think that's definitely challenging because, you know, sometimes you just, you aren't sure. And so you have to kind of do things, but, you know, not 100% sure is this the right thing to do. I think another challenge is maybe like, um, how do I put it? I guess it's, yeah, there's lots of different causes that you can support, right? Like even, you know, we've been talking about climate change, yeah. but you could help people, improve people's health. You could help animals. You could help, you know, improve the lives of people who haven't even been born yet, right? People who, like our children and grandchildren, right? Of course, we want the world to be a good place for them. Yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah, it's, so there's lots of different causes. And one of the reasons I do community building is because I'm, I think there's a good reason to work on all of these different causes. Um, but, you know, sometimes the best way to do good is to pick one cause to specialize in it. You know, for example, learn a lot about the different kinds of animals and what kind of suffering they, 
are facing in the factory farms, right? And so you can help them better. Or maybe we become, you know, you could become like a climate scientist and then you can start to study um, that side of things. So I think that it can be challenging because there's just so much, um, so many ways we can help and not always, you know, uh, we can't do everything. So we have to pick one. Mm-hmm. I think those are the challenges. When I grow up, I think I'm going to be part of effective altruism. That's great. At what time should I sh- start thinking about joining? What yeah. age? Sure. So I think the nice thing about effective altruism is that it's not really just about being part of a movement, you know, like joining. You can also just think about the principles of effective altruism, which I think, um, and I think that you could start at any age, really, because it's the principles of effective altruism are basically trying to use, you know, evidence and reason when we make decisions in our life to help people and being open to being wrong. So, for example, you know, like if you, let's say um, you think that the best way to help someone is by doing this one thing, but maybe that's just because you didn't know that there's other ways to help that person. Um, But then when you learn that there's other ways to help that person, maybe these other ways are better, then you can change your mind. Uh, And it's okay to be wrong. I think that's something that can be very hard to know when you're right. Uh, You know, it can be hard to do it well, or I can, I guess like... Um, yeah, just being open to changing your mind. I would say keeping an open mind is really the big thing and not just keeping an open mind on what you personally do, but keeping an open mind about like what kind of things you care about. So for example, you know, like, um, maybe a a few centuries ago, people didn't really care as much about, uh, animal suffering as they do today, or they didn't care as much about people who lived out in a country different from theirs, just because there was like a less awareness on, you know, those issues in the world. Um, but today, you know, of course, we care about people who live in countries that aren't our own. We care about animals, even though we, you know, there are different species to us. Um, so I think, like, that's really something that you could start doing from from even, how old are you today? Eight? Yeah, eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half, yeah. I think you could start that from today. And um, And I guess the other part of, you know, effective altruism, which I think is really important, is just being kind and considerate to everyone around you mm-hmm. and you know, trying to learn from other people and collaborate with them. And, you know, if, if someone else knows something that you don't, I feel like this podcast is, you know, you, you've been, I'm sure you've been learning lots from all the amazing people that have been on here. Um, and that's, I feel like that's already a big part of it. Just uh, talking to other people, learning about the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think, uh, I think maybe the answer is any age. <laughs> For me, I think, I think that we, first of all, we are animals. We are basically animals. We we are animals, yes. We are mammals, that's true. That's true. So we should care about them as much as we care about human beings. Yeah. So I think from a scientific perspective, they are technically a different species. But insofar as we are all sort of animals in the broader sense, then yes, yes. Yes. We could say that animals are like, like we are human. We are the species, our species is human. Right, and then like there's elephants, homo which are one species. Yeah, exactly. Our species of the Homo sapiens. The Homo sapiens, exactly. So from a scientific perspective, we are a different species. But you're right in the sense that yeah, we are we are part of the mammal family, and the mammal family is part of the animal kingdom, and technically we are all part of the the animal yeah. kingdom. Yeah, for sure. 
For someone who is new to effective altruism, how can they be extra active in the community? Yeah, so I guess if you're new to effective altruism, you could, um, so many places like here in Singapore, we have a, a local EA group. So you could attend events at the, at, in your local group. Um, and you could also attend, there's some global conferences where people from all around the world come together mm-hmm. to meet. Um, many people in the EA community also donate to effective causes or think about how to use their career to contribute to the world. So, um, for example, you could look at 8,000 hours and, uh, for sort of, you know, guidance on what kind of things you need to think about if you want to change your career to, if you want to change your career to like do the most good, um, and, and what kind of charities and organizations also are, are doing a lot of good and you can support them in different ways. So yeah, you could donate to them. You could volunteer with them. You could apply to work there. Um, yeah, there's lots of different ways. I don't think there's, um, there's any one way, but I think there's like lots of different ways to get involved in the community. You are moving to the U.S. soon for a new job. Can you tell me more about that job? Sure. So I am going to be moving to the U.S. uh, to work for a company called Momentum. Um, I will be an operations manager there. So I guess I'll start with what Momentum is. Momentum is an organization that basically helps charities to raise money. Um, And it does that by basically, uh, you know, using principles from psychology on how people give. So when someone gives money, uh, sometimes you can... Uh, you know, you can study how they give and when they give and they help charities to take advantage of that research they've done so that they can make sure to get more funds out of people. So, for example, um, encouraging people to give many times rather than just once. So, for example, if I give you $10 today, that's great. But if I give you $5 every month um, in a year, you're going to have more money than if I just gave you that one $10 donation. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what the company does. I'll be an operations manager. And what that basically means is I'll be doing kind of managing all of the operational matters in the company. So like administrative work or finances, legal work. So basically like, you know, when you start a company, you have to do all of these things as well as do what your product, you know, your main goal of the company is, right? Like any organization has this. So yeah, I'll be doing kind of that side of, uh, that side of the work, kind of the behind the scenes work mm-hmm. for for them. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Thank you. <laughs> what did you want to be as a child? I actually wanted to be a detective. Mm-hmm. Um, I love detectives too. <laughs> like, I like reading books such as Tintin. Yeah. Which are all about, like, he solves mysteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I was a kid, my favorite was... Um, I don't know if you've read any Enid Blyden novels. I have. Have I you read the Five Find Outer series? You mean the Famous Five? No. So, interestingly, there was another series called the Five Find Outers um, and Dog. And they would go around solving all the mysteries in their little town in England uh, during their summer vacations. And I was, uh, I was really, you know, I was really interested in all the mysteries they solved and then I started reading Sherlock Holmes and all of those. So I, I really wanted to be, yeah, I was very, uh, I was very serious about being a detective when I was little. Did you have 
Did, did you have magnifying glasses? I did. I had magnifying glass. Um, I tried to even write a mystery as a little kid. I tried did to write a story. Have, did you have a detective's hat? I didn't, actually. I didn't have a hat. I had a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are your hobbies? Uh, so I guess like in a way, effective altruism has been my hobby for a while, but now with this new job, I'll actually be doing it full time. Um, but yeah, my other hobbies are playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to watch lots of TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's everyone loves that. That's true. But I think I like it a bit more. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, and I like, uh, I like, you know, ice skating as well. Those are really fun hobbies. Yeah, what are your hobbies? Um, I like sleeping, <laughs> eating, uh-huh. cooking, okay. building Legos, mm-hmm. reading, and playing outside, and, play- and doing sports. That's great. And the best of them all, being with my family. Aw, that's so nice. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thanks for having me, Vedant. This was so fun. It was. Yeah, I learned a lot. I'm glad. Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page, Curious Vedant, to get updates on my upcoming episodes, to listen at leisure on your phone, and get notified about your future about future episodes. Subscribe by searching for Curious Vedant wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my you can also listen to my show on CuriousVedant.com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedant. And don't forget to rate and leave comments. Oh, and I also have an Instagram page. Don't forget to check that out. <laughs>